0: Thank you very much, uh, Twinkie. It's so good to, to see you all here. And if you're our guest for the first time, we want to make you feel so welcome. It's uh, I don't know how your week has been. Obviously, uh, this week, uh, the Queen of England passed and she was uh, honoured and respected by uh, so many. And uh, many are mourning her passing as well. And also, for those that are interested, uh, happening this week, footy final. Some are into that. Some wouldn't have a clue Uh, But uh, I hope that you've had a good week. If we haven't met before, my name is Andrew, and along with my wife, we have the privilege of uh, leading this wonderful church called City Lights. And today we are continuing our Kingdom Living series, and we've got the final week in this series. And the Kingdom Living series has been talking about what it looks like to embrace God's plan and purpose in every area of our lives. And so today, to finish this off, uh, I'm going to be talking about giving and sharing your finances. Now, I know that this is a little bit of a hot topic, and I know that many people are cynical, maybe a bit disillusioned around organized religion and the giving of uh, finances to that. And uh, people have got all kinds of different history, opinions, and uh, ideas around that. And so you say, in the context of that, considering that I know that, why on earth would I choose to share that? That's a really good question. The key reason, there are a couple, but one of the key reasons is that in the context of the Bible, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it is unnatural and artificial not to talk about this topic. Now, when I was like late teens, early twenties, I hit the gym up four times a week. All right, I was kind of like our very own Jack, except not as big at all. And uh, still, I was—I grew up was very skinny. So I'm like, okay, um, I want to get married, and I, by the grace of God, I nabbed the girl. But so I went to the gym, really skinny, and. I only ever did upper body, right? I never did legs, like skip legs day. Well, like why would you, all right? So if you know a little bit about uh, gym culture, the idea that you would only ever train the upper body and never train the, the, the legs is unnatural, right? And so maybe that's okay if that's your personal decision, but if you engaged a professional trainer or a coach and they only ever focused on the upper body and never ignored a whole part of something that's important to your physical health and strength, you would think that would be a little unnatural and artificial, right? And the same is for us to talk about the things of God, to talk about God's pattern of living, and not to talk about giving and sharing of finances. The reason is that finances are a big topic of, you, of yours. No doubt you've thought about them in the last month. Maybe you've worried about them. Maybe you've conflicted or argued about them. Maybe, and this is something that we do, you've either judged yourself or you've judged others based on your lack or abundance of finances, right? We all do this, right? And so finances is a big thing, that we think about, that we talk about, that shapes a lot of our lives. It's also a big thing that society talks about it. Now, when it comes to the Bible and the gospel, God has an amazing, freeing, peace-giving, life-giving message around finances. And we believe here in this church that the best way to understand any aspect of life is to view it through the lens of the good news of Jesus and through the pattern of the Bible. That is our commitment. Here's what I would also say. Now, if you've come in here and you are our guest today, uh, this next part is for people who have said, I I choose to follow Jesus, for Jesus followers. all right. If you've made that uh, choice and decision, this next part is for you. So you cannot love and follow Jesus while still having an area of your life that is off limits. Now in 1993, there was a gentleman, he was coming up, maybe some of you recognize him, Meatloaf. Meatloaf, 1993, he had this song, maybe some of you know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to the word that we would use from the Bible is discipleship, sometimes and usually for people, there is an area of life that they say, Jesus, I love you. I'm singing Jesus over everything. And then they say, Jesus, I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. Not always finances, it may be time, it may be relationships, sexuality, it may be career any kind of thing, when we choose to follow Jesus, it's a whole-of-life pursuit. And it's very, very good, and it's very, very peaceful. But sometimes it's counterintuitive, and often it challenges our own desires. Now, the thing is, what we understand about the message of the kingdom, we've used this uh, series called Kingdom Living, is that in the Bible, Jesus sets up the kingdom of God As opposed to the kingdom of self. And so what Jesus does in his teachings is he challenges our deepest allegiances, our deepest desires, and he cuts through. And the bottom line is, will you live for yourself or will you live for me and others? That doesn't mean that you lack, but it means that you learn kingdom abundance. All right. Now, the final reason that we're talking about this is that we won't be able to impact our city in the way that we desire to, excuse me, without financial generosity. This is our, our mission statement as a church It's coming up. Following Jesus for the renewal of our city. Now, we can do neither of those things. We can not follow Jesus with having some areas that are off limits, nor can we truly see renewal in our city, which is holistic, right? Renewal looks like this someone who walks into this church whose life is messed up and who God begins to do a transformation work. It also is someone who comes in and their life is like pretty put together on the outside, but inside there's turmoil, there's conflict, there's strife. The home is not healthy, the soul is not healthy. Renewal, this idea, this idea that people can come from broken homes and form new patterns of living for themselves and their families into the future, right? You can break generational patterns. That's very exciting to me. But the other thing is we want to have a tangible impact on our city. Did you know that this church has almost given away $40,000 to missions to care, to help planting other churches, flood relief, drought relief, all kinds of things, to helping people in tough places. Right, Recently, as part of Legacy, what we did, and we haven't shared this publicly, is we supported another church who runs a family counselling service, which is an excellent... The, the counselling service is called Hills Family Counselling. And they run a fantastic service, and we said we are going to give you money because you're doing a great thing in our city. And they were like, we have never had anyone else, any other church support us. We don't exist to be like, oh, we're we're the best church in town or we're the only church in town. We exist to partner with people for the advancement of God's kingdom and the renewal of our city. And so this is why, even though it might be a little bit challenging uh even though you may have had a bad experience even though uh you know there's all kinds of things happening that we're choosing to talk about this topic now we are going to start in the book of malachi or if you're from north queensland malachi okay <laughs> a little bit of malachi early here now what we've got to understand as we go through this There is a message to those people at that time, and then there is God's message to us. So we've got to break it down and and see, okay, what was God saying to them? And then what is God saying to us? Because there are things that are the same, and there are things that are different here. So Malachi was a prophet, which means he was a messenger of God. And what the Old Testament prophets did is they called people back into relationship with God. Now, Malachi was speaking to a people whose nation, at that time, the nation of Israel was in ruin. It was in ruin spiritually. Uh, Families were in ruin. One of his key messages is about families and relationships and marriages. It was economically in ruin. It was politically in ruin. And so Malachi is having this conversation with God. Maybe some of you have read it. And he's got a series of rhetorical questions. And some people have likened him to like a street preacher. That's his kind of tone. The style is is very unique. I think it's quite fascinating. One of the things that he kind of says in these series of rhetorical questions is God says to his people, I love you, but you don't love me back. And so there's this little back and forth here. And so the purpose is that Malachi is calling people to follow God to see renewal in their nation. All right, that's what he's doing. Now, this is one of the key reasons that I have chosen this passage for us because I want to understand that the idea of us uh, learning about our finances and sharing what we have is deeply connected to our mission. And that's one of the key reasons that we're doing it. And so he is calling people to follow God and to see renewal in their nations. And he does it in three key ways. There's a, he wants to see a restoration of righteousness and righteous living. He wants to see evil defeated. And he wants to see families and marriages restored. Who thinks that's a a beautiful thing, right? That families and marriages are restored. And so there's a bunch there. I encourage you, have a little bit of a read of that. Have a little bit of a study of that as well. So uh, we're going to explore a a passage in Malachi. And um, I want to give you a couple of questions to consider. Can you just hold for a second? And um, everything's okay. It's all right. I just had to tell her that I loved her. No, that's not true. (laughs) She hates the attention too. It's kind of amusing for me. But anyway. (laughs) So we are going to jump into this. Now, as we jump into this, I I want you to buckle your seatbelts because Malachi the prophet, he is straight talking. He's getting straight to the point. And so, in verse six, verse three, uh, Malachi three, verse six, he says, "I, the Lord, do not change; so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you," says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, "How are we to return?" Moving on. It says this, okay. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? Now, this is a heavy statement and a forceful statement that is designed to get our attention. It's like Malachi has got a hand grenade, he's pulled the pin and he's rolled it down. He's ready for it to explode. There is something that the whole idea of this is the language, the message is like supposed to grab you. It's supposed to hit you in the face. Why? Because it's supposed to give you a sense of urgency around God calling His people to follow Him, not only for their own sake, as we'll see, but for the restoration of our nation. So what this does is this begins to challenge to the very core the idea that money and possessions belong to us. It challenges to the very idea and the very core that money and possessions belong to us. Uh, One of the uh, authors, uh, commentators, uh, expert, uh, Christopher Wright, he calls this the economic angle. And it's this idea that the nation of Israel's attitude towards wealth and possession is an indicator of spiritual health. Now, here's what I want to say. The same is true for us, is that our attitude towards wealth and possessions is an indicator of our spiritual health. No one here would say, oh, I'm a greedy person. I don't think anyone would say that. I think we're honest. Sometimes that's how we act or how we behave, or at least I'm just speaking about myself. That is a challenge of the human heart. And so he challenges the idea that money is owned by us and belongs to us. Now, I have a couple of kids and, and maybe you remember this growing up. You've got kids of your own or you remember doing this with your parents or you're an uncle and auntie or something like this. But have you ever given like, a child like an ice cream or like a block of chocolate or a packet of chips? So like, you, you go out, you buy them a big ice cream and they've got this flavor that you've never tried, and you say, um, I think, what's, what's an ice cream shop worth now? Like $29 or something like this? So you're, you're buying an ice cream. You've, you've got a short-term loan to do it. And then you say, can I have just a taste of your ice cream? And as you, are, you go to buy it, they kind of pull it away. So you just kind of do this. Or maybe you're in a relationship where you do this as well. I can see that might resonate with some people. Or if you buy like a packet of chips for them, and and you didn't buy it to have some, but you're like, oh, I'd like to try that. And they dig in. And you know in the packet of chips, there's always like that burnt little thing. This is what one of my boys does. He'll dig in and he'll bring the smallest, most burnt thing. This This is what we do with God. Nothing belongs to us. We cannot take anything with us into eternity. And God gives us all these gifts. He gives us these opportunities. And we might say, well, I worked hard for that and you did. But did you choose your place of birth in Australia rather than in a, in a country where you have less opportunities? Did you do that? No, it's all a gift from God. And so we need to understand we have this sense where we're protective and possessive about money, like we own it all, and it's all our own, uh, something that we've all provided for ourselves. But God's saying, hey, I'm the provider. It belongs to me anyway. And I'm God. So the first question. And people are unaware and uncertain about this. But the first question is, if I love God and am committed to renewal in my city, what responsibility, if any, do I have to give financially? I think that's a good question. And I want you to know that this question is without compulsion or obligation. I have no power over you, no control over you. Uh, I have no desire to put any pressure on you in this area. But it's a good question. If I love God, committed to renewal my city, what responsibility, if I have, if any, do I have to give financially? And Malachi 3, uh, 8 and the second part says this. He says, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Now, the word tithe, which we see uh, initially in the Old Testament, literally means a tenth part or 10% of your financial income. And some of you are like, whoa, this is just like escalated way too quickly, right? And in the Old Testament, believers were required to give a tenth of their income to the support of the ministry in the temple and also the needs of the poor through the temple. Do you know in the Bible... It says there should be no poor among you. Isn't that a pretty good uh, thing to think about a community of people? In the Bible, Genesis 14, Abraham tithed. Then Jacob tithed in Genesis 28. And then with the law of Moses, Leviticus, the whole nation of Israel were called to tithe. There are three things that we know about tithing. You can see them on the screen in the Old Testament. That it was compulsory, that it was sacrificial, and that it was regular. So this is a contrast, right? Compulsory, you were obligated to do it. God is saying, you were commanded to do something, and you have not done it. Now, this is not my message to you, so you can take a deep breath. But it was compulsory. It was also sacrificial. You couldn't bring your mangy lamb. Like, seriously, there's verses like, don't bring your like, little like leftovers. Bring your first and bring your best. Why? Because I'm God. Because I own everything. All right? And then the next one, it was regular. There were regular times that God was encouraging people to do that. So the purpose of tithing was this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in first place in your life. And to put him in first place in every area of your life, and one of the ways that you can do that is through tithing. You know one of the other ways in the Bible in the Old Testament says to put God first in your life? Have a day off. That's a pretty good thing as well. So here's what God was saying to these people at this time, and then we'll talk about what he's saying to us, people that love God. And I committed to renewal, honour and obey God through tithes and offerings. So the question is, is tithing still relevant today? Do I have to do it? What did Jesus do? What did the early church of Jesus followers do? Now, firstly, here's what we want to say. Do you have to give financially to go to heaven? No. You go to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not it's a gift. It's a grace. It's not something that you do. Do you have to give financially to be part of this church? No, you do not have to give financially to be part of this church, to be welcomed into our community. Do I have to go? Do I have to give financially to go to heaven? No. You do not. Do I have the opportunity to? to give financially, to help bring heaven to earth. Yes, you have the opportunity to do that, to see the love of Jesus. So let's have a look. So Jesus talked about tithing. And what he did is he, when one of the things he did about, when he talked about tithing, he condemned religious people who did it for the wrong motives. Now, what he was saying is, don't do it for show don't do it out of obligation, don't do it out of religious duty, but there's something else that is at work. Here's what we know about generosity in the message of Jesus, summed up in this verse, it's pretty well known, for God so loved the world that he gave. So once we hit Jesus, once we hit the New Testament church, here's what they did. The New Testament church gave because they loved. And what happened is the early church was known for its radical generosity and compassion for those who are doing it tough. Acts 2.45 says they sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. And this is exactly what God had in mind, that there would be an overflow. Now here is the key change that we see in the New Testament and uh, I'll have some scriptures coming up, is that compulsion and obligation and guilt is out and love and joy is in. Let me give you one of the best examples that I know. Who has ever been in an office where you've needed to do a secret Santa present for someone that you didn't like? Okay? Okay. <laughs> A secret Santa present for someone that you didn't like. This is like, I consider that, theology, the Bible according to Andrew. All right? Could be dodgy, but just hang on with me. It's like that. If you are giving, oh man, I have to give this stupid present to something, somebody I didn't even like. Did you hear what she said about me? Did you read that email? All right? That's what it can be like when you're giving under compulsion then contrast with that when you have the opportunity to give somebody a present like a gift, somebody that you love, that you've thought about this, that you know that that's something that they would love and value. And when love is your motivation, how does that change the act of giving? It's a big thing. And this is what we are invited to. Now, I've got a couple of Um, scriptures coming up here. I've included more scriptures because part of what I want you to do is study this for yourself. As I said, it's it's not my intention to guilt anyone, make anyone feel uh, compelled or obligated because that is out. I've just showed you that that's out in the New Testament. But here are some things that the Apostle Paul says, cheerfully, not grudgingly, willingly, not out of obligation, lovingly. Next generously from a grateful heart as a ministry to Jesus and his people and next proportionally consistently and systematically i've put those up on the website so yeah so i uh will have those available for you as well if you're taking notes some people are giving me the idea okay so here's what i'm suggesting and here's what i'm actually putting forward for you to consider and study for yourself. And this is a big idea for a lot of you in that in the New Testament, tithing is it's not, a, it's not something that's a compulsion, but tithing can become a kind of a baseline for your giving. All right. But it's totally under your choice. This is something that my wife and I have been doing for probably. She she started doing it when she became a Christian in her 20s, and I've been doing it probably since my teens, right? So um, I'm pretty old, so maybe that's like 30 years or something. And this is not something that I've done because I'm a pastor. This is not something that I've done while being a pastor or while being a pastor of a church or leading a church. This is something I've done in the business world. This is something that I've done... And uh, we have, by the grace of God, we practice this where this becomes a baseline for our giving. Here's what I want to let you know. We have never been without. We have never been without. Here's what I also want to know. It's a joy to us. Here's what else what I want you to know. We abandoned 10% a long time ago. We are blessed to give more than that, even in times where we have had quite big personal needs. Why? Because it's a joy and it's a biblical pattern. And we'll continue to talk about what is this. Malachi 3 verse 9, it says this. Hang with me because this is another heavy thing, right? Malachi 3 verse 9 says, You are under a curse your whole nation because you are robbing me. Here's what I want to say. The curse has gone through Jesus. I am not saying anyone here is cursed, but I am suggesting this, that the prophet Malachi is saying this, is that he wants to challenge the idea that some people think that the way I use my money has no effect on the community or on the city. And I think that's something important for us to understand, that yes, we can give because we want to be under God's peace and provision. Yes, I get that. But also, we're we not just here just because we want to be looked after ourselves. We want to be here so that we can bless others. We want to be here so that we can bless our whole city. And Malachi is saying, part of the spiritual and social decline For example, if you're not giving, the needs of the poor are not being met in your community. What happens when the needs of a poor are not being met in a community? Usually violence, usually crime, all kinds of social things, right? So he is saying, this is what we want to see. The second question is, if I trusted God in this area, would it work... Or would I go without? I think that's an important question, right? I'm going to need a volunteer. Ollie. Oh, Ollie, can you come out here, mate? Strapping young man. Almost taller than me. And he's like, how old are you, mate? 13. What a giant. Okay. I want you to hold this. Here's what we think when it comes to giving, right? We think, okay, we have got three oranges and God or the church or people want to take something from us. This is our essential, like the basic core of what happens. And so we're like, we have three, now we have two. Is two going to be enough? Or perhaps at times you have two. You feel sometimes when you're giving, particularly out of compulsion, that somebody is taking something from you. Who feels that sometimes? That kind of core. And this is a barrier for many people. Now, here what, here's what God is saying is, I want you to be releasing, to be open-handed with what you've got. And he says this, why? And he says, he says because I want you to know that I've got a lot of oranges, all right? He says, I want you to see me as the source of your supply. Yes, work hard. Yes, in this case, plow the land, do the things, cultivate. But ultimately, I want you to see me as the source of provision. Thank you very very much, Ollie. You can take those three oranges, mate. What a bonus. Sometimes we define our finances in terms of winners and losers. We define it in terms of purely addition and subtraction. If I give, I have less. Is that true? I don't know if I will have enough. I'm saving for a house or a car or sometimes very uh, honestly, we're like, I don't know if I will have enough to put food on the table. Very, very valid. All right? And if that is someone in our community, we will help you. And and we have uh, processes and systems and, and plans to do that. But what God wants us to bring is out of a mindset of addition and subtraction into a mindset of multiplication and into this grand idea that God can provide in any number of different ways that are outside us just earning and us just giving. That he can put breathe on situations, that he can breathe on opportunities and see the hand of God begin to move. Here's what he wants us to know. And here's what we see. Is he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, test me in this. Now, this is important. God says, test me in this. It's the only place in the Bible that God asks us to test him. Interesting. And he says, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store at. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And here's what God is saying, if you partner with me, I will fill your container to overflowing, and I'll also stop the leaks. This is what God is calling to us. Now my question to us, and what God is inviting us into, is are we ready to be in a place where we trust God to provide our every need? That's a, that's a heart condition. That's a mindset that God wants to bring us into. And I know that personally I do that and also I have to remind myself, you know, you have different circumstances in life. You have different bills come in. Right now, if you read the news, there's a lot of economic uncertainty in the world. Things are getting shaken up again economically. This is a perfect time to talk about God's plan and provision. And this is what he wants us to say. The third question, and my last question I'm going to invite Naomi back and we'll be done in a few minutes, is if I did this, what difference would it make? And we've talked about this, but I do want to say, here's what the Bible says, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And we've got to understand there are three levels that happen with giving. We see these, another sermon for another day, but we see these three levels of interest in the book of Philippians. The first level is self-interest. Do you know we can operate in God's plan with self-interest and be personally provided for? Let me give you an example of that. One of the best-selling books in Australia is called Barefoot Investor. Has anyone read that book, right? What does Barefoot Investor encourage you to do? Barefoot Investor encourages you to give 10% of your income away right? It's a big concept, right? I even heard uh, one of the, uh, Kelly Rowland who was in Destiny's Child. She was, she did an interview about her personal finance. Not sure of coin, but she said she, her finances were evaporating. She didn't say it was a Christian thing, but she said a mentor said, are you giving away? And she said, no. And once she changed that, something shifted, right? So we can operate at yes, I'm going to do this and God will provide for me. This is part of God's plan and pattern and principle that even works outside of Christianity. You can do that, right? And I think that's okay. We see here that God wants us to be provided for. But there's another level, and that is I don't just exist to see my own needs provided for. I exist to see the needs and the interests of others. So, self-interest, others' interest. So, how am I managing, looking after, structuring my finances, trusting God so that I can help someone out, maybe even if I need help myself, so that I can meet somebody's needs? The third level of interest that we see in the book of Philippians, and And uh, the Apostle Paul says this, there's a guy by the name of Timothy and he is the only one who has Jesus' interests in mind. So we can say sometimes, well, we can operate at self-interest and we can actually say, no, I got this. I don't need anything. I'm good. Therefore, I'm not going to partner with God. And God's saying, okay, how about you trust me? But how about you trust me for others? But also, how about you give me complete access to every area of your life to see my kingdom expand, to see renewal in the city? And this is what God is saying. I believe, and I say, as a church, we are an incredibly generous church. What does the future of our church look like? More generosity to others more generosity there are some ideas if you've got an idea or an area that you think that we should consider partnering with i think one of the ideas that areas we need to partner with is housing i think there's a housing crisis that is developing and will continue to develop and god wants us to personally position yes there are some things that we need to do as a church in terms of preparing for Our own space, a space where we can welcome people to belong. But not just limited to our interests, but to actually say, Hey Jesus, would you lead us and inspire us as a group? Not just me, not just other leaders, but as a group where we say, God, it's a joy. It's a privilege. It's a wonderful opportunity to trust you in every area of our lives. So today, I want to encourage you with three things. They're coming up on the screen. One is that you study, that you study the Scripture. Here's what I have discovered, or here's what I have learnt, that it's better for people to discover than for me to deliver. Now, I've given you, hopefully, a, think, a few things to think about, but I want to encourage you. I've put some information um, up on our website. If you go to city uh, city dash lights church slash give there's some information there in a link about giving and some a bunch of scriptures in there study them pray about it and then try it maybe it starts with the budget maybe it starts with a direction hey god this is a direction that i want to go this is a decision that i want to go and this is how i'm going to start and as i start this i'm going to ask I'm going to test you in this and see that you will allow me to continue this journey because that's what God asks us to do. Is that good? Is that okay? Thank you for your generosity and your grace in talking about what is a difficult situation, a difficult topic for many people. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the example of outrageous and radical generosity that You gave. And Lord, right now in this moment, in this atmosphere, we just remove any compulsion, any obligation, any guilt, and we replace it with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so God, we pray that You would lead people by Your Word and by Your Spirit into Your plans and promises for their life. And we thank You for that in Jesus' name. Just really quickly before we go, one of the scriptures that I shared was core to the message of the Bible, the message of Jesus, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that Jesus is good news for us. Jesus is good news for humanity. And I I just want to take an opportunity to offer an invitation. I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes again, just for 30 seconds. And Jesus says, if you confess, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you are saved. It's just this idea that you say, Jesus, you are God, you came and died for my sins. If you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are God. Then he says, that's the first step. So I want to give just an opportunity for anyone who wants to do that today in this moment. You don't have to put up your hand. You've just got to make that. I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to pray a prayer together. And if you want that to be your prayer, you can repeat after me out loud. doesn't have to be super loud but it does have to be spoken in some way so let's pray together Jesus we thank you that you are God we thank you that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins we acknowledge that there's no other way to God except through you nothing we earned nothing we do so, Jesus, we accept you, our Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand over to Twinkie. She's got a few short messages for us, and uh, then we're going to have something to eat.